good to be here today. We're going to launch right back into the Word. It has been some exciting things. I, I get a lot of, I've been getting a lot of good feedback from folks that just the, the challenge, not just the, the teaching itself, but what it's been doing in their lives and how it's just really caused them to get a better understanding of the Word of God and to dive in a little bit further. So we're going to continue in uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 25 this morning. And uh, once again, if you're joining us for the first time or if somebody's handed you one of our CDs, you can get the rest of these. We're going through doing an expository teaching on the book of Romans, and these are available by going to either of our websites. As we finish a chapter, I'm putting them in their entirety at raveninstitute.blogspot.com, or each daily lesson is going to be available at ravenoutreach.blogspot.com. Brother Steve Ignowski is making those available for us in MP3 format, so appreciate him, appreciate his work on that. And uh, like I've been saying all along, you can print those things. I think 15 cents is what he said is what a blank CD uh, is. Print five or six of those on each message. That's about a buck. And give those things out. I tell you what, uh, just putting the word in people's hands, especially this teaching. I mean, that's really what, what this is. It's just our, our teaching and coming before the Lord Jesus, breaking the bread, and just uh, hopefully just launching people into just a, a new dimension of just uh, seeking the word of God and uh, uh, seeking the face of God through the word of God and really getting armed and dangerous against the, the forces of the adversaries. So I really encourage you to get into the Word and to pass these things along. Don't keep them to yourself. We freely receive, so let's freely give those things out. So let's pray this morning. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to come and to taste of the sweetness of your Word. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you are so good and that you're so merciful, Lord God, that we live, Lord God, at probably what is the most exciting, Lord God, and powerful times in human existence, Lord God. We live, Lord God, in that, those hours, literally, Lord God, that just are, 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 are right before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we just want to be found faithful, Lord God. The Word says that when the Son of Man returns, will He find faith on the earth? And Lord God, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so, Father, we don't want to just be, Lord God, those that are reservoirs of faith. Lord God, we want to be those that administer faith in the other, other people's lives by teaching the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, sharing the Word of God, and, and being demonstrative of the Word of God in our lives. And so, Father, we just pray, Lord God, today that you would give us understanding, that you would, uh, uh, Lord God, give us a, an, an ability, Lord God, just to comprehend that which you're speaking of you by your Spirit. For the Word says that when the Spirit has come that he'll lead and guide us into all truth and Lord God I, I know I speak for every one of us that are participating in this teaching Lord God that, that we are desperate in need of you Lord God I need you to help me to, to, to make this clear Lord God to open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel each one of us Lord God need our hearing Lord God anointed so we can receive Lord God Father from this, 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 this rich word of God we just need our understanding Lord God open and we just ask Lord God that all the scales that have been on our eyes through traditions Lord God any scales Lord God of, of past teaching, Lord God, anything false that would hinder, Lord God, just the, the, the impartation of your word into our life, Lord God, we just ask that those things would be put down, Lord God. Father, we are completely and totally dependent upon you today. We just ask that you would bless this time, Lord God, of ministry and of study of your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Folks, if you got your Bibles this morning, got your, your paper and pencil, turn to the book of Romans, the 25th chapter, excuse me, the 3rd chapter, the 25th verse. I tell you, I don't have Pastor Alex here with me. I'm always looking over to my right. He buys me a little time here once in a while, asking questions so I can take a sip of coffee. So if you feel here a little bit of downtime, it's a couple seconds of dead space. That's me taking a sip of coffee or whatever else or, or, or changing the page. So I'm going to miss my brother, but maybe God will just make provision so that these things can change and he can get back in here. Anyway, we're talking about Romans 3.25. And guys, listen, this is probably one of the very most important verses in the book of Romans. I tell you what, because it really just opens up a floodgate of opportunity to see the work of the cross, to see the responsibility uh, that, that God has, has given us, to, to see the, the, the effects of what grace and mercy are genuinely all about, to really get our hands and get a grasp around the things of God and an understanding that, 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 that few subject matters allow. You know, we talked about Verse 23, which you know people quote all the time, the Roman road to salvation, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24, uh, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But then we launch into this verse 25 that, that, 
It begins to throw some language out here, and I'll go ahead and read this verse this morning as we get started. I believe this is Lesson 31. And so it says, uh, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And so, folks, we've been studying this subject matter of propitiation the past few classes and, and really to order to, to just give you a clear understanding of the work of the cross and what it involves. But not only what it involves, but what it requires and what it provides in the life of a believer. Uh, when, when I begin to study these things, uh, specifically when I look at propitiation, what we talked about, and going back, that it's, a, it's such a, a, a language that was taken from the Old Testament type to, to really provide some extremely vivid imagery that, 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 that God will give those things. I don't know about you, but when God showed me, was, was revealing me a number of years ago, even about the veil and how that veil was torn from top to bottom, just that visual imagery, seeing how those things unfolded, provided such a mechanism for me to just grab a hold of victories that I never had the ability to grab hold of before. Because then I seen it. I saw what God was doing. I saw the plan of God. I saw the, the, the desire of God and the will of God. And so it provided an opportunity just to draw an eye unto Him with a, with a pure heart. And so it provides us that, that, that mechanism to see those things. And so I'm going to say this again in case you're just slipping in for the first time. Uh, propitiation literally means the mercy seat or our place of atonement. It's that place that that that, that Christ uh, pays the penalty. It's that uh, that place where He declares us not guilty before the Father. It's that that place where His blood is sprinkled. And so, this is one of the most. I want to say this again, if not the most important teachings on the in the Word of God. Because in it is the complete plan of salvation that was provided for us by faith in God and, and literally that substitutionary sacrifice of His Son who John called the Lamb slain, uh, the, the Lamb that, that has come to take away the sins of the world. And so when we begin to study propitiation, literally, folks, apart from that, there's no other opportunity. It provides the doorway to every victory. It provides the doorway to salvation. Everything else is tied into this one thing. And so if I can ever get a grasp and a thorough understanding of what God is trying to speak to us in this, then the ability for the adversary to trip me up in other areas become futile. He, he, his, his attempts, even within the confines of what we might call traditional Christianity, there's been such a, 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 a moving away from just the foundational elements of the Scripture. And we've, we, we've got away from those things. And now it's become all relativism. It's become uh, uh, postmodernism. It's become uh, the, the, this emergent type thing. But when we come back to just the simplicity of the Word of God, Paul the Apostle made it so clear in 2 Corinthians 2.2. 2, he said, you know what? I'm determined not to know anything but Christ and Him crucified. And so when, when He wrote the Roman letter, especially when we're looking at Romans 3.25, that God has set Jesus forth to be a propitiation, you know what He's talking about? He's talking about Christ and Him crucified. He's bringing out the doctrinal aspects of what that means. And so... We have a good. Uh, we we have spent a good t uh, deal of time really discussing several things. One of the things we talked about, and I, just, I, I alluded to it earlier, was uh, the veils that serve to separate, and not only to separate, but literally to provide passageway to the three places of worship, and that, that these things were not only Old Testament types. But there was a New Testament manifestation of these things. And I want to give those to you real quick as, as we, we're pushing forward. There was the veil of justification. That was that, that entrance gate that anyone could come into. You remember I told you last week that it didn't have the embroidery cherubims on it. What it was, it's a, a, a gate that anybody could come that was willing to come, humble themselves, and bring a sacrifice. So it was the veil of justification which identified us with his death. It took us to the place where that sacrifice would be made. And the type of that is the, is the, is the baptism unto repentance. And so the veil of justification, baptism unto repentance, and identifying uh, his death are that first veil. The second one was the veil of sanctification, which is uh, baptism in water, which is identifying with his resurrection. And so we have that, that veil of sanctification, that we, we're, we're identifying with who Christ Jesus is. We've de been declared not guilty. And that's, that's the type of that next veil that we're going to talk about uh, in this morning's program. And so it's a baptism in water. We, we identify with His death because, the, because no flesh is going to glory in His presence that we've got to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow after Him. Then the, the final veil, and we'll get into that in, in, a, in, a, in maybe tomorrow's program, it's that veil of glorification. It's that veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And it's a type of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it identifies us with His glory or with His 
power. So folks, what we're, what we're ready to do is take another step or look at what propitiation means and literally what it provides for the believers. I, I, as I was studying these things out and just typing up some notes for today's class, I, I was getting excited because I know there's some things in here that you're going to grab a hold of and run with. So, folks, here's what we got. After the priest washed in that bronze laver, remember the bronze laver, it was this, this concave bowl, bronze bowl that was shined to, to mirror-like reflection. The water was poured in, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, and the priest would have to wash himself. He would continue, he'd have to wash his hands, wash his feet on a regular basis. And so the, the bowl was reflective of the flesh because that's what the, that bronze was indicative of and of jud- the judgment upon the flesh. But the water uh, was the type of the Holy Spirit. So everything that we do and all, all the things that we do in Christ Jesus as the priesthood of the believer has to come through that water. So if we're going to behold ourselves, anything, without the water, the only thing that comes at us is judgment because there's, there's none righteous, not even one. There's no amount of good works that's going to do anything for us. It's always got to be not by might, not by power, but by your spirit or by that water in the bowl, so to speak, says the, uh, the Lord God of hosts. And so as we keep the water in the bowl, as we keep the Spirit of God active and operating in our life, it's always going to reflect back that I can do all things to Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Because the strength is in the Spirit. The strength is in the water in the bowl. The strength, in, the, the strength for, for what I do is not the limitations of my flesh reflecting back at me or me always accusing myself or the adversary that's accusing me day and night before the, for the Lord. But God continuously declaring that I'm not guilty because I've been, I've been redeemed. I've been justified. I've been sanctified because of His blood. And so when we keep the water in the bowl, then, then we, we have the ability to do those things through Christ Jesus because we realize that it's not about uh, our ability, it's about our availability to, for Him to use us and for to touch our lives. So, but here we are, but to get to this place, we, we had to first, uh, once again, I want to say this, we had to pass through that veil. And this veil, uh, at this next realm, in this holy place, because, let me, let me back up just a second. The, the, the bronze labor or that place of washing is right outside of that second veil. But to get to that second veil, like I said, we've got to wash ourselves. Because the second veil, or that, that, that veil that's uh, uh, headed into the holy place, does have cherubim embroidered onto that. And you'll remember we talked about those, those cherubim that they speak of the judgment of God. And so as the outer veil to come to the cross didn't require it, but to move forward as a priest in Christ Jesus, as a born-again believer, there is a requirement and there is a, a, a judgment or a responsibility. We've talked about, the Word tells us that don't let many be teachers among you, for upon you is a greater judgment. There's a greater responsibility. And you see, once those people pass through and they made the sacrifice, now it's the priest to make uh, approach to that second veil. Folks, listen, the only way you're going to get into the things of uh, Christ is to recognize that you've been called unto the priesthood, that you're not just some, some also-ran scrub. That just you, it's, it's not about a title. It's not about a position in the church. It's about your position in Christ Jesus. And he said you are a royal priesthood. But what's happened is, just as Revelation talks about that uh, and rebuked the church for the sin of the Nicolaitans, the Nicolaitans is the dominance of the clergy over the laity. Folks, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a minister of the gospel. been one for many years. But I tell you what, when I stand before God, I'm going to stand before Him just like you are. I'm not going to get a free pass. I'm not going to get a special deal. I'm not going to have a, a, a coupon that's going to get me in because I have a title. It, not because I hold a position. Not because I teach the Word. It, I'm going to get a greater uh, amount of judgment, a greater responsibility for me on those. But the same thing holds true for anyone that's a believer. We come through that first veil... There's no judgment. It's you know what God sent His not did not send His Son in the world to judge the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's the access point to salvation. Is God withholds judgment? Jesus came that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. But boom! Once that happens, now the responsibilities kick in. Uh, we're saved by by the grace of God. He He allows us that access point. But once we're saved, now things have got to change. But because beforehand we didn't have the ability. To walk in righteousness. God convicted us of sin. We recognized the, the, the fact that, that we had no ability to serve Him. And so we offered ourselves as a sacrifice. But folks, once we come to Christ Jesus, once we're born again, everything changes. Why? Because now Christ is inside of us, the hope of glory, and there's the ability to overcome. That's why 1 John 4.1 says that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. 
Once we come to Him through faith, now we've got the ability to overcome. So in the world, we could say the devil made me do it. Why? Because we were, we were of our father, the devil. But now when we do it in righteousness, we can say, my Jesus made me do it. Or He made me with the ability to do those things that He's called me to do. So... You pass through that, you go past that bronze labor, now you come to that place that's, a, uh, that, that's really in contrast, just like I said to that entrance veil. And so what it does, it paints a picture of the salvation experience, and, and what that second veil does, because it brings a responsibility, it, it flies in the face of much of, uh, of this, uh, what, how can I put it, we, and I've talked about it in the past on this program, that we're just an old poor sinner saved by grace mentality, that, that has permeated so many churches and so many denominations and so many people. And, and literally, many denominations and, and people as a result of that have adopted this some sort of outer court mentality when it comes to what happens after a person gets saved. Now folks, when, when they came and they brought the sacrifice into that outer court, there was not the expectancy of everyone to just kind of mill around and fellowship in the outer court. That, that sacrifice had to go further than that. The, the blood that was that was spilt, that was caught in those 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 vessels underneath the, the, the brazen altar that were that were designed in gold to catch the the, the, the blood of the, the sacrifice, they just didn't sit there and dry up. But what's happened is that you were the ones that were the recipients of that blood. You were like the vessel that the blood was poured into, that the blood was poured over, that the that was that caught the blood of Jesus. But you were not you're not called to just sit somewhere and dry up. You're not set called to just sit somewhere and do nothing and not to have an impact. But you were called to be picked up in the hands of that priesthood responsibility and carried past that second veil to that next place of responsibility that God has for you. And so <clears throat> to be when I'm, I get saved or I'm born again or I come to that brazen altar or I, I come to the cross and, and that's just using various descriptions for the exact same thing that we've, we've got to move past that thing but I've heard way too many times from pulpits that in churches that I've visited and just sat in the midst of the congregation and heard the word that people say that thing we are all just poor sinners saved by grace uh, and it's just repulsive because I know the consequences of those things. It conveys a, 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 a that that same uh, message that that says, you know what, I, I, I hear that, and so there's no responsibility on my part. And so, folks, once the person comes to Jesus, once they come to that that brazen altar, once they come to that 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 cross of Calvary through faith in Jesus. They are no longer identified as a sinner. If you're listening to this for the first time, you've slipped into this teaching. Listen, folks, if you come to Christ, if you've had a sacrifice made for you upon the altar of, of Christ Jesus through the cross, you are no longer called a sinner by Him. Romans 5, 8 and 9. Romans 5, 8 and 9. I'm going to touch on this this morning. And obviously when we get into chapter 5, I'll get into more detail. But listen to what it says. It says, But God commended His love towards us. So what's he saying? Listen, I'm, I'm about to tell you something that, that flows out of the motivation of the love of God. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, but he says much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Now listen to the terminology that's employed here. It says, while we were yet sinners, indicating past tense. Then he says, much more than now. The word now is present tense. So he says, beforehand, before you came to Christ, you were identified as a sinner. But he says, but now there's a present tense something. He said, you've been justified or you've been made righteous by his blood. And so folks, listen, once we come to Christ Jesus in faith and we're walking in, in repentance and in holiness towards him, we're, we're no longer called sinners. We're no longer after that, that, that type of uh, mentality or we no longer have that nature. And he says now that we're identified with the righteousness of God. And folks, the way to the cross is a way that's accessible to all that would just humble themselves, repent, and offer themselves as a sacrifice of Jesus through just surrendering their life to him. It's a place where judgment literally is withheld from the sinner in order to allow them to approach God, but where judgment was laid upon His Son Jesus upon the cross of Calvary. And so we come literally with nothing of value to offer. He is our offering. But now, and I want to say it again, but now, once the offering is made, who was Jesus? And, and we continue beyond that brazen altar, our responsibility or the situation drastically changes. I want you to listen to a very familiar passage of Scripture. 
And literally, uh, in, in a continuation of, of something that, in, into something that may not be uh, uh, very familiar to you. And literally, I want you to listen to this in light of what we've been teaching in the last few classes in regards to propitiation and the type of the tabernacle being the type of the cross, uh, of cross and of Christ. Now listen to this, and I want you to see something. I, I feel very confident that you're going to see this in a whole new light and a whole new level of understanding. Uh, get, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8. Ephesians 2, 8. Now I want you to think through what we've been talking about concerning the veils, concerning the, 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 the brazen altar, concerning all these issues related to that Old Testament type or shadow of what the cross became. Now the first couple of two or three verses are going to just ring. You, you have these memorized. Yeah, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. There's that, that, that accessible entrance gate right there that He provides for us. You've been saved by grace through faith, the divine influence of God. He makes it very approachable. He makes it presentable. He makes it very welcome. He's drawing you to Himself. It's, it's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. There's the Lamb slain before the foundations of the world. There's the Lamb of God that takes away the, 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 the sins of the world. Verse 9, Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's, it, the, that brazen altar was, was down on ground level. And he's providing us. He's come down to us. He's become Emmanuel. He's become our, our source and our way maker. Then verse 10, a little less familiar for most because they'll quote the first two, then they'll leave this one out. But it says, But now we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so the first two verses, verses 8 and 9, talk about the access to the cross, the access to the brazen altar, but now it changes. Just what I'm talking about today. Once we get to that place of that, that, that bronze labor and we, we're washed in the, the washing and the regeneration of the Word of God, it says, now I want to tell you something. You are now His workmanship. You've been set aside for His service, created in Christ Jesus for the good works with the ability to go through that second veil, to go through that, that veil of sanctification, to, to be identified with His resurrection. If the same Spirit that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken you. It will give you the, the, that Zoe life. It will give you the ability to, to move beyond the limitations of the flesh, to move beyond your own ability or strength and move into the power of God realm. Then he says, Therefore, remember that you, here he goes, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. He said, at that time, what time? That time, when you were a sinner. You, uh, at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise and having no hope and without God in the world. He breaks it down. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been made, brought near by the blood of Christ. Think about that in, in the realm of what we've been talking about. For He Himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. There's that veil, folks. Having abolished in His flesh, it says the veil that is His flesh, that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in Himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Verse 16 that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, there's the brazen altar, thereby putting to death this enmity or this place of division. Verse 17, And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. Verse 18, For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Folks, there is that access point. There is that blood that was poured out. And now through Him, we've got access through that next veil into that place of the, the holy place of God. Now verse 19, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now, listen, folks, what it says, that we're no longer sinners. We're no longer limited by those things. But we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in verse 21, in whom the whole building, being joined together, speaking of that type of that tabernacle, grows into a body, a holy temple unto the Lord, in whom you are also built together for a dwelling place in the Spirit. Now folks, we've talked about what made the, the tabernacle a dwelling place? What made it a, a meeting place? 
was the fact that there was a mercy seat there. And so what he's telling us in Ephesians 2.8 is exactly what he's telling us when he says that, that Christ has become that, 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 that uh, brought forth as that propitiation for us. It's the exact same thing. He's just breaking it down, tying it into to the Levitical uh, picture that we have, bringing it right back here, confirming Scripture with Scripture, telling us that we were once afar off, but we've been brought near by the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. That every time that we've come to that, that, that place of that next veil, to the veil of the Holy of Holies, we've got to come with a, the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus with it. Then he says that it, it, as, as a result of that, it's broken down that middle wall of partition. And so when the veil was ripped twain at the crucifixion, it was that type that pulled that, that, uh, that veil down and said, you know what? You have become priest unto me, so I'm making access. But folks, the access is still by the blood of Jesus. It's not by our works of goodness. It's not by your title. It's not by your position. The access always comes through the grace and mercy of God that was bought by the blood of Jesus. And so, folks, I want to say this and write this down. The grace of God does not provide for us an access into sin. The grace of God provides us access into righteousness. I want to say that again because it, 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 it sounds simple enough, but it certainly isn't been preached from pulpits, and it certainly isn't something that, that, that people who claim Christianity find something that they want to pursue after or find the ability to walk in victory. The grace of God does not provide for access into sin. The grace of God provides us access into righteousness. And so when the blood of Jesus comes through the grace of God, literally it should propel us into a place of righteousness. It should not propel us into a place of easy believism, of, of grace without growth. But what the, what the, 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 the grace of God should do is uh, uh, give the, 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 afford the believer ability to walk out the things that God has instructed us to do. He says, no longer strangers and no longer foreigners. What's interesting about that, when he, when he says that in verse 19, he says, listen folks, you're no longer strangers, no longer foreigners, but fellow citizens and the saints and the members of the household of faith. That word foreigners is the word paroikos, which is P-A-R-O-Y-K-O-S, if you want to write it down in English. And literally, it says, when it says foreigners, he says, or ones do not, that do not have citizenship in heaven. And so he said, you're passing from a place that you no longer have citizenship in heaven. You're no longer a person that's a sinner. He said, you're no longer that. But you are now a fellow citizen with the other saints. He's now identifying you in sainthood. And so I want to say this again. That outer court philosophy has kept people captive in sin and has literally hamstrung the work of evangelizing the world because what it does, it creates some type of defeatist attitude among the church. And it says, I can't, or I don't have the ability when the Word of God says that, that I can. It says that I'm unable to walk in holiness, and so I won't even pursue it when the Word says, be holy, not do holy, but be holy even as He is holy. And it also says, without holiness, no man will see Him. Folks, what grace has done and what has provided access done is to a place of victory. That this is that victory that overcomes. That, that I become more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. That because I have access to that place through the blood of Jesus, that I have a place to draw from my ability. There's no temptation that has come upon a man, but that which is common to all men, with every temptation, He provided the way of escape. He provides the blood of Jesus. He provides a, a, an access point through repentance to come to that place where the, the, the old nature is, 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 is pressed down and is crucified with Christ Jesus upon that cross and the new man rises out and now I've been identified and I've been made given citizenship into heaven. Folks, once the propitiation is paid, once the blood is spilled, there is a demand according to Ephesians to walk in it. You have been created unto good works that you should walk in them. That once the, the, those things happen to you, we cannot think that the blood of Jesus or the coming forth of our testimony through those things can be treated as just some vile thing. What's happened in the church, and, and most of you folks can, can have seen this and you can identify, identify it easily because uh, you, 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 uh, it's, it's so out there. But, but if we do not take the blood of Jesus upon our lives and... and, and, and recognize our role in, in the priesthood of the believer and the great responsibility, basically what we've done is we've created, called the blood of Jesus a vile thing. I want to give you something to think about in regards to that, in regards to your testimony, in regards to your responsibility. And that's out of Hebrews 10, 28-31. 
Hebrews 10, 28-31. Now listen to this, folks. Paul the Apostle, once again, writing the, the book of Hebrews. And I love the language that he uses in Hebrews. We need, we'll have to do a, an expository teaching just on Hebrews sometime because of what it provides. Hebrews 10, 28-31. Hebrews 10, 28-31. Listen to what it says. It says, Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So he's going back and he's telling the responsibility of what happened under the law of Moses. That if you rejected that law that had two or three witnesses, so if there was a confirmation of those things, that you died, that you were put to death, that you were stoned, that you were killed. Now listen to this. And tell me if this does not fly in the face of this ease of believism that's preached out of so many pulpits today. How much worse punishment do you suppose... Will he, uh, will he be thought worthy of who has trampled the, blood, the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing? He, let me read that again. He says, if, he said, they died without, without, uh, uh, under the law of Moses under the word of two, three uh, witnesses. He said, so let me ask you a question. How much worse of a punishment do you think that the person that tramples the, 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 the blood of the, the, the Son of God or that testimony is going to be worthy of that's, that's counted the blood of the covenant which he was sanctified by, which was poured out upon the cross, poured out upon that, that brazen altar, a common thing. Just saw it as something that didn't do anything, that had no power, that had no strength, that, that had no ability to change your life. And insulted, now listen to what he says. When we do those things, he says, we insult the Spirit of grace. For we know whom he said, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Now, now folks, you've got to hear that. He is saying, listen, if we think for a minute that just because under the law of Moses that there was a, the law of sin and death, that yeah, if they, if they transgressed the law of Moses, there was a law that they couldn't even adhere to because they did not have the transformation of the Spirit of God upon their lives and in their lives. What do you think the responsibility is going to be for those that have come into that access point freely, that have now been partakers of the, the divine nature of Christ Jesus through faith in the cross? Do you think for a minute that once you begin to call those things a common thing and you cease to walk in the righteousness of those things, if you think, you know, listen, man, you know what, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace and you know what, I can still go out here and drink and cuss and fight and womanize or you know what, I want to continue to look like the world and partake of those things. Folks, do you not realize the great and the, the, the responsibility that He puts upon us when we... Uh, Call those things that have sanctified us a common thing and we trample them under our feet. Once you come to Jesus, you are made a part of the priesthood and you have a responsibility in regards to how to walk out this Christian life that He has given to us. And folks, until you truly understand this, until I understand this on a daily basis, we will not have genuine access to that place reserved for the priests of God or born-again believers, which is exactly what the adversary wants. What the enemy wants is not for people to advance into those places that God has called us to, to advance in the call of God, to advance in the responsibility of God, to advance in our relationship with God. What he would rather us do is come through that wide gate, to come through that easy access point that, that leads us up to the place of the cross that says, listen, you have nothing to offer, but through my grace and mercy, he, wants, he just wants us to, to come to that place and to sit down. To sit down in our churches. To sit down and do nothing. To, to sit down and not take responsibility. To do absolutely nothing at that point. Now I want to give you something out of the book of Leviticus. That, that I'm gonna, I, want to, I want to really show you this picture of the priesthood out of the law of Moses and how that applies to us in the New Covenant. Leviticus chapter 21 verses 6 through 23. Leviticus 21, 6-23. Folks, I know this is very... Uh, we're, we're taking a tedious process to this, but I think if you ever just get this, if this becomes this revelatory from you and you hide it in your spirit, man, I tell you what, everything else in regard, when you read the book of Romans, when you read the book of Hebrews, when you read any of the epistles, when you read the, anything in the, in the New Testament, you're going to see it with such a different viewpoint and vantage point and through a different set of eyes of understanding. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much... Uh, uh, intentionally being very uh, 
tedious in our teaching on this subject because I know that you're going to draw great value from it and as we get deeper into the book of Romans that it will provide really a foundation for you to understand exactly what Paul the Apostle is saying. So Leviticus chapter 21 verse 6 and it says, uh, it is, what it's doing is when, uh, when God instructed the, the priesthood, when he began to tell Moses, here's what they're going to have to, here's the requirements of them, here's what the responsibility of them. Now, as I read this, I want you to apply this to your own life. I'm going to do the same to myself. And so as I read these things, the priesthood, because we're now the priesthood as believers in Christ Jesus, I want you to apply this to yourself and begin to measure yourself against the Word of God. This was a type of what God was going to allow us to, to experience through the, the regeneration of the new birth too. if any man be in Christ he's a new creature old things have passed away all things have become new now listen to this he said they shall be holy to their God how shall they be? they shall be holy that's what God wants from us be holy as even I'm, I'm holy and not profane the name of their God not do anything that would characterize God or cast God in a, in a bad light for, for they offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God therefore they shall be holy I want to stop right there at verse 6 you know it for me, I, you know, it makes me want to weep because I realize the tremendous responsibility that God has placed upon us and how many times we blow it, that we, just, we neglect so great of a salvation as it says in the book of Hebrews. But he says, he says, you are going to be called holy. Now folks, if God calls us holy, why is it so difficult for us to take the responsibility to, to, to through the blood of Jesus to try to endeavor to walk in that holiness that God has for us. He says, you shall be called holy and, and, and you'll not profane the name of our God. Think about, think about the things that have been done that have profaned the name of God. Compromise. Uh, the, the, the wickedness, the, the transgressions, the sexual immorality of, of leaders that have been with the church and homosexuality, these type of things that, have, that, that they've bought into that have literally brought a, 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 that profane the name of God and called sinners to say, yes, yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. You see how Christians are. They're all like this. Folks, it says, you are the ones that make the offering unto the Lord as a born again believer you're the ones that, that have the offerings that are made by fire made by the, the Holy Spirit and you're the ones that, that, that give the, the bread of their God you're the ones that have been entrusted to offer the word of God therefore you shall be holy now I don't care if you're someone that sits on the back row he has called you holy you're the one that when you begin to, to offer those things those sacrifices of God through the, the works of your, 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 your hands the, 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 the testimony of your lips those are the sacrifices of God that are made by fire that are made under the anointing of the Holy Spirit not only that when you begin to preach the word you begin to testify to people about the power of God and the salvation of God he has called you those things and he says do not profane the things of God and so when you find yourself getting angry with people you profane the name of God when you find yourself just growing lazy in your faith you profane the name of God in verse 6 and it says they shall not take a wife who is a harlot or defiled woman nor shall they take a woman divorced from her husband for the priest is holy to his God why is that important the book of Ephesians gives us a picture it says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it it says wives submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord then it goes on to say, he says, listen, what you're seeing here is a picture of Christ in the church. And so the picture is, you shall not take a wife who is a harlot or defiled woman, nor shall you take a woman divorced from her husband, for the priest is holy unto God. Folks, what he's talking about in, in the light of the new covenant is spiritual adultery. And so what he's saying is, he said, you know, how can two things walk together except they be in agreement? He says, do, he says uh, uh, do not yoke yourself together unequally. Do not be yoked together with unbelief. And so when you think to yourself, listen, I can have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And you know what? It's just these he's saying what you basically what you've done is you've wedged yourself, you've taken to wide harlotry. You've committed spiritual whoredom and you've allowed yourself to, to fall into that type of relationship that's going to defile you. You you said, you know what, I can look a little bit more like the world. And we talked about these type of things in the past. That you know what I can if you know what I can I can do this and I see so many Christians and, I, and once again folks I don't want to just pick on one particular thing but there's this this great uh, novelty thing with believers getting tattooed from head to toe anymore now 
There's plenty of people that work in our ministry that have had tattoos and all these other things. Do I think that, that getting a tattoo is the worst thing? Absolutely not. But do I think that it, it brings defilement onto that person? Absolutely I do. What, what fellowship does light have with darkness? And they say, well, I'm getting, a, ta- I'm getting a, the, a tattoo of a scripture on my hand or whatever else because it stands as a testimony. Folks, he said don't hide your word in your skin. He said hide the word in your heart that you won't sin against him. And it's, it's the, through the preaching, preaching of the gospel, not through just uh, uh, some ink on my arm that's going to do those things. And again, I'm, not just, I'm just using that as a, as a prime example because I see that type of that harlotry because those things are, are identified with the world. That's the thing that the world uses. That's the thing that was, that was a product out of rebellion. That was those things. when, when uh, there was, It was big in the Navy back in World War II. They went out and they were going to show that they were, they were strong and they were powerful in their own mind and they were away from home now and so they would go out and they would get drunk and go get a tattoo or things like that. That was kind of the, the history of those type of things. Folks, listen. Whatever that thing is that you're trying to be more like the world to win the world, basically what you're doing is, uh, is committing harlotry. You've wedged yourself to harlotry. But He wants us to yoke ourselves to righteousness. He said, uh, therefore, you shall consecrate you. you. You're a consecrated person for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy. For I am the God who sanctifies you. I am, har- uh, I am holy. Verse 9. He said, The daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by playing the harlot, she profanes her father, and she shall be burned with fire. Now what is that? The, the daughter or the offspring? Folks, listen. That There's a product of our testimony. Our testimony becomes the offspring of our life. And so when our testimony is, 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 it has no integrity in it, you know, I've talked about this, that the testimony has no power until the testator's dead. That, that is the, the daughter of the priest. That is our offspring. That is the, the thing that comes out to reproduce. And so if, if my testimony is, is fruitless, if my testimony has no power, it's going to be burned up in the fire. That's what he says. That's what he, you know, it's, it, the only things that are going to survive is those things that are, that are going to be tried in the fire. The wood, the hay, the stubble, those things that are of my flesh, they're going to be burned up. Verse 10. He who is the high priest among his brethren on whose head the anointing oil has been poured, the type of the Holy Spirit, who is consecrated, consecrated to wear his garments, there's that priesthood, shall not uncover his head nor tear his clothes. Now what's he talking about? It, it's talking about that, that covering. Now folks, people talk about, you know, who's your covering? Uh, what church is your covering? I've I got news for you. We've got people that have been ordained that are uh, that are part or accountable to Raven Ministries or to myself as a as a minister of the gospel, but we're not anyone's covering. We don't have the holiness uh, in and of ourselves to cover ourselves. The only covering is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the covering that's come into our life through through faith. Now, is there accountability? Absolutely. We submit ourselves one to another as unto the Lord. That's a, that's a responsibility that we come and, and, and brings correction to one another. But as far as that covering, the covering that He has given us to, to be covered by is Christ Jesus. And so, we're not to uncover ourselves or uncover our, our head from that responsibility of the blood of Jesus. And so what the church has done, the modern uh, uh, seeker-sensitive church, literally it's got out from under the covering of the blood of Jesus, and it's uncovered itself, and it says there's another way. If we can just relate to them, if we can just be more like them, then, we'll, then we can, can appeal to them. What they've done, though, is they've uncovered themselves from the blood of Jesus and they've exposed themselves to the works of the flesh and to self-righteousness. You shall not uncover yourself or to tear your clothes. Now, if you'll look at the priesthood, and this moved to the first, the, 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 first, uh, the new covenant, excuse me, and, and look at the New Testament. What, what happened when, when the, the high priest tore his clothes? You see in the New Testament, we're talking about Jesus, that Jesus came and he began to speak before the, the high priest and it said, Caiaphas rent his own garments. He defiled himself. He was the high priest, but he did those type of things. And so what it showed is twofold. Number one, he was a false priest. He wasn't genuinely the high priest. The high priest was the one standing before him, which was Christ Jesus. And so it says that you don't defile yourself like that. You don't operate on that type of thing. Then he says that you shall go not go near any dead body, nor you defile yourself, uh, for he is the... Uh, uh, nor defile himself for his father or for his mother. In other words... Now, I want to back up and say this. This is so important. He said, Do not go near a dead body, nor defile himself for his father or for his mother. What he was talking about is specifically the second part 
was listen, if you're even if you're the priest, if your mother and father died or were dead, he said you can't even touch their bodies. Now think about this for just a second in light of the new covenant responsibility of the believer. He said nobody, having left fathers and mothers and homes and lands or anything that that uh, for, to follow Christ. He said, would you, God will not reward, uh, reward those things in, in the hereafter and in this life to come. Guys, listen, what he's putting in, uh, in perspective is, listen, listen, there is no human relationship that should ever stand in the way of your relationship with God. It, he takes it a little bit further because he's putting it in the, in, the, in, the, in the vantage point or in the context of the responsibility even in, in confines of marriage and in, in, in the, that type of relationship in, in, in the church. And he's saying, listen, you've got a responsibility to do the things that God has called you to do regardless of even the closeness of those relationships, the deadness of this life, the deadness of those things that we hold to. That, that, that Everything that we have in this relationship, whether it's a mother and father relationship, whether it's a, a father and child, whether it's a husband and wife, all those relationships are temporary and should never take a, a, a role above the, the role that we have in responsibility to God. Now, guys, I've been married for 21 years this coming November to Melanie. I love my wife. I don't raise my voice and, and cuss her out. I, I, I don't speak evil of her to people. I've never lifted a hand to her. I love her. But when the, the trump sounds, the relationship that we have enjoyed since we were 19 years old and got married and from the time that we met at 16 and began to date, that relationship as it stands will be over. The, the preeminent relationship in my life then is got to be the same relationship that it is now. It's my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I do that, if I seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, what's it going to do? It's going to cause me to have a good marriage. When we first got married at 19 years old, people said, you know what, you'll never make it. What they didn't realize is that there was a wild card involved. And it wasn't Melanie being perfect. It certainly wasn't me being perfect. But it was that, that, that two is better than one and the threefold cord of Christ Jesus is not quickly broken. But here's the deal. What you hear taught in so many churches is this list of priorities. They'll say, well, God is number one. Your family is number two. Then your ministry is number three. Folks, listen. There is no God without the ministry. Because we have been made ministers of reconciliation. When they begin to say stuff like that, what they say is that, that ministry is something, just what we do rather than who we are. Once you come to Christ Jesus, everything flows out of your relationship with God. Your, 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 your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your children, that just becomes a continuation of your relationship and your ministry unto God. And so he said, seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. What is that righteousness? That righteousness is walking in the precepts that He's established for us as believers. And so, because I have a ministry in Christ Jesus, because I know the responsibility, that I'm not going to, I'm going to fear God. I've been called holy before Him. And so I'm not going to do anything to profane that relationship with God. And that would include, I'm not going to do anything, uh, whether it's physical or spiritual adultery, that's going to profane that relationship. And so my relationship with my wife is going to be in my relationship in marriage is going to be the product of my ministry unto God. It's going to be the reflection of those things. It's not God, my family, and my ministry. It is God and God alone. That is where my focus is. And if I seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, first, foremost, and totally, what's going to happen? All these other things are going to be added unto me as God aligns those things up. And so, regardless of what my human sacrifice or my human... Uh, uh, not sacrifice, but my human responsibility is my first responsibility is in the God. That's why it says in the book, do we obey God rather than man? Absolutely. And so as a believer, as a preacher of the gospel, my responsibility <coughs> totally and completely is unto God regardless of the effect that it has on anyone else. But I go in knowing that my relationship with God is going to produce righteousness in every other relationship that I have. And so he goes on to say, don't go near a dead body. In other words, don't touch the deadness of those things that are past. Don't go into the, the, the things that have no life in them. Uh, don't go near those things. Don't defile yourself with those things that are, that are, that are dead after the flesh or the, out of the teachings or the false teachings of men or after the traditions of men. Don't touch that mess. Then he goes on to say in verse 12, nor shall you go out of the sanctuary nor profane the sanctuary of God. 
for the consecration of the anointing oil of God is upon him, and he said, I am the Lord. And so what is he listen to what he's saying? He said, You shall not go out of the sanctuary, no profane the sanctuary of our God. So what he's talking about is a continuous abiding in those things. He's not talking about a, just a physical place that you're at, but it's a, a continuous abiding in Him. If you abide in, in God, and God, abide in God's Word, God will abide in you. And so it's not a thing that you can say, well, today I'm going to serve Him because it's Sunday. Or, and, but today's Monday, and so I'm going to do it. And so I'm going to act a different way because I'm at work versus I'm going to work, act a different way than I'm at, at church. Folks, you can't serve two masters. You'll love one, hate the other, or hate the other and love the one. What he's saying is you've got to walk. You've got that. You've been consecrated to those type of things. You can't profane those things by living two different lives. I tell people all the time, if you don't like this version of me, you're not going to like me because I don't, I don't have two or three different versions of myself. What you see is what you get. And we've got to walk in that type of thing. That there's not two or three different versions of us. There's the Christian version. Then there's the more secular version that's pretty moral still. But you know what? Business is business and religion is religion. We can't have that type of mentality. Then he goes on to say, And you shall take a wife in her virginity. And so, folks, what, what is that saying? Is this, is it, uh, it's given a spiritual context of those things. I've got to come back and I've got to be betrothed in, in, in the spirit of, 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 of a solitude and a singleness in my relationship to God. I've, the, the purity has come. It can't be a relationship that's a little dab do you. It can't be a little Jesus and a little bit of this. I brought up the, the television preacher that was talking to Larry King on TV and he brought the point up. He said, you know, and Larry King asked him, so what about these other people that have other religions? Are they going to hell? And this guy said, well, you know what? I can't say that, Larry. I don't really know if that's the case. He said, you know, I went to India with my father and, and he said, I met the, these people in India and he said, I don't know a whole lot about their religion, but what I do know is that they love God. No, they don't love God. That is, that, that is not taking of your wife virginity. That's not taking of your wife one that's only... The, and when it talks about that, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. That the only one I want you to be with, to lay with, is that one that is just solitary. It's virginity. It's not one that's been defiled by false religion and all these other things. Folks in India, they serve a they serve many gods. They don't just love one God. They don't even they don't even serve the, the Lord God Almighty because they don't serve the Lord Jesus Christ until somebody preaches the gospel to them. They're Hindus. They they believe in karma and all these other type of things. And so to yoke myself together with that type of deal would be to take a wife of harlotry. Then he goes on to say, not a widow or a divorced woman or a defiled woman or a harlot. These you shall not marry, but you shall take a virgin of his own people and as of his wife. And so. That goes into yoking ourselves together with this false teaching. People, I want to say this, and no, I, somebody, I may get in trouble for this, but if you're, it wouldn't be the first time, I guess, though, but if you're seated in a church, guys, that is not preaching the truth, run for your life. If they are not preaching the Word of God, as, as the Scripture shows, as you can search the Scripture and say, you are married to harlotry. If you're teaching, if you're in a church that does not show, does not preach in the holiness and the righteousness of God, that is not preaching repentance, that is not preaching uh, 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 that, that you, you've been saved by grace, created unto good works to do those things, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. If you're preaching a, 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 a if you're preaching a cap, if you're in a, if you're in a church that just preaches cappuccino and bounce house and easy believism, Jesus, you need to run for your life. Because what you've done is you've put yourself into a place that profanes the name of God. And what you've also done is you've told that person in that pulpit that what they're preaching is absolutely okay by your continued participation in those type of things. I've said this time and time again, guys. We've got to hold religious leaders and religious organizations and churches to a higher standard. If you hear me preach something that does not line up with the Word of God, I'm not saying if you come to yourself and say, well, I just don't like your attitude. Folks, this ain't a about attitude. This is about truth. And so if you come to me and you start talking about, listen, well, you just didn't seem like you operated in love. And you know, how do you know what love is? Open rebuke is better than secret love. He chastens those that he loves. If you don't like the look on my face, I was born with this face. And this is about as good as it gets. And so if it comes down to attitude or something that you can't touch, bring it back to the Word of God. And I, I require those that hear me, I'm asking you, hold me to that standard of righteousness. And I begin to preach false doctrine. Turn this program off. Don't get back on it. 
Write me, call me in my telephone, email me at raven at biggrace.com and set me straight. But don't continue to yoke yourself together with those things. But if you're seated in a church, that's what he's talking about. You are a priest. He said, don't marry yourself to. Don't uh, hook yourself up with a divorced or defiled woman or a harlot. These you shall not marry, but you shall take a virgin to be your wife. It's got to be that solitary thing. It's got to be focused. I've got to set my affections on those things above and not beneath. And he, then he spoke unto Moses, uh, uh, verse 15, Now, uh, nor shall you profane his posterity uh, among the people, for I, the Lord, shall sanctify him. Posterity is that what's going to come after you. Folks, listen, you're going to reproduce after your own kind. And so I, I say this all the time. I, there's a church that I, I've visited on occasion. That you go into the service, man, powerful praise and worship, a powerful word. But once the service is over, guys, it's over. It's a church of several thousand people that I, 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 I love the place. I believe the pastor loves God. But what it does, it produces after that same kind because the pastor is excellent at talking about winning the city. But he don't actually go do it. His responsibility starts and stops in that pulpit. And Jesus never walked that way. He said, come and follow me or come and see my example and I'll make you fishers of men. We cannot say, stand by, sit behind a desk or stand behind a pulpit and say, you need to go win the world if I'm not willing to get out on street corners, get out into neighborhoods, feed the hungry, preach the gospel. If I'm not willing to do it, all people are going to do is follow my example, which is being real good at talking about it and not doing it. And so he said, don't profane the posterity because by talking about it, by being hearers or just talking about it and not doing it, we're going to reproduce a bunch of people that are excited about talking Talking about it, but never motivated to actually go do it. We'll, we'll fill up 24-hour prayer centers. We'll go to stadium events. And we'll have all these things about talking about winning our nation and winning our world. But we'll never get out there face to face, eyeball to eyeball, spit to spit, with people dying and going to hell, and actually grabbing hold of them and, and casting the devil out of them, preaching the acceptable year of, God, uh, of the Lord, and actually doing something about it. We profane who He is. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying this. He said, Speak to Aaron saying, No man of your descendants, descendants in succeeding generations who has any defect may approach to offer the bread of his God. Now listen to this. This is very interesting. He said, Your descendants. We're the descendants of that priesthood. And it says that when you, if you have a defect, and he gets in, For any man who has a defect shall not approach a man blind or lame who has a marred face or any limb that's, that's out of proportion. A man who has a broken foot or a broken hand or a hunchback or a dwarf or a man that has a defect in his eye or eczema or, 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 or sores. I want to stop right there. What he's saying is, listen, what we think is that anybody can come and offer some profane sacrifice. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, don't think that you're going to be a priest or be in the ministry or, 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 or be able to offer acceptable sacrifice for God. Are you thinking, listen, at least he's going to church. I know he's still living with that old girl over there. But you know what? He loves God and, and God's working it out. Or, or you know what? Man, he's a Christian, but you know, I know he's still got, he's still got a problem with alcohol. And you know, Folks, listen. They, they will not approach or be able to offer sacrifice unto God. Do, do we think for a minute that God is going to honor those type of things? That's why it's so important to preach salvation and, and, and that produces holiness and righteousness in people's lives. Because what we're doing is, is we're bringing all these defects to, to God and we're expecting Him to want that sacrifice. Just as they couldn't bring a, a defective lamb to offer sacrifice, they had to bring something pure and holy. Once we get saved, folks... There's a, the ability to transcend those limitations and to be holy as He is holy, to walk in victory, to see the power of God changing and transform our life. And it, it talks about all these things, these broken things, a blind man, somebody that can't see, that, that doesn't have ears to hear, or lame, or someone that doesn't study the Word of God, that, that we think for a minute that that's okay because somehow they offered this, this blemish sacrifice. Then it says, or a eunuch. A eunuch is someone that does not have the ability to reproduce. Matthew chapter 7, we know a tree by its fruit. That We know it by its carpos, its reproductive fruit. He says if you're not reproducing, and the way that we produce is through preaching the gospel, the word, the, the parable of the sower says that the seed of God is the word of, 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 is, is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And so when we plant that seed, we reproduce. But what's happened is there's been this great sterilization of the word of God. There's been, we've made eunuchs, and we've made those that, that seem very loyal, they seem very strong, but they do not reproduce. He said, do not think that they can approach to offer a sacrifice unto God. No man of the descendants of Aaron or priest who has a defect, verse 21, shall come near to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. He has a defect, he shall not come near to offer bread to the Lord. 
He can eat of the bread. Now listen to that. Uh, both the holy and the most holy. In other words, he can be fed that bread. He can be given those things. But it's but until the, those imperfections are made perfect in Christ Jesus, listen, he, he can't go and offer those ordinances unto God. He can't do those things unto God. He can eat. Why? Because the bread of life is given freely. That's that first veil. Only he shall go near the veil or approach the altar because he has a defect. He shall not go. I'm sorry, let me go back. He shall not go near the veil or approach the altar because he has a defect, lest he profane my sanctuaries, for I, the Lord, have sanctified them. Folks, listen. We've got to begin to preach holiness. We've got to begin to preach righteousness. Does that seem like a hard thing? Yeah, it, it really does. But I tell you what, that is what God has enabled us to do in the Spirit of God, with the holiness of God, with the ability and the power of God. So what should it cause me to do and you to do? It should call, cause us to fall upon our face and say, God, don't, don't allow anything to reside in my life. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked things. See if there be any profane thing that's within me, Lord God. And I want to bring those things to you. I don't want to come offering a strange fire. I don't want to come yoked, Lord God, to harlotry or wickedness, Lord God, or false teaching, Lord God. I want to come and I want to offer myself holy unto you. Folks, listen. He gave the picture of that priesthood propitiation so that we would go back and look at that responsibility. Folks, listen. If it was responsible there, just like we talked about in the book of Hebrews this morning, do you not know that you're treading the blood of Jesus under your feet and calling it a common thing? Folks, we're out of time today. Thank you so much for being a part of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. If you want to continue to look at these things, you can go on, on, online at www.ravenoutreach.blogspot.com and, and hear these messages in entirety. Appreciate your questions. If you have any questions, uh, you can write Pastor Troy at my email address is raven at biggrace.com or you can go on our website www.biggrace.com you can get my phone number call me up if you have any questions you want some uh, more explanation on this you have a problem with something I say I, wel- I literally I welcome those things and I love to hear from you folks have a great day in Jesus get into God's word and allow God's word to get into you